Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, if you grew up in church, you're familiar with hearing a lot about sheep um, because it's something that's brought up throughout the New Testament, throughout the Jesus half of the Bible, um, a lot. And today is going to be no exception to that. Um, today, I'm going to share with you a really well-known story from uh, Jesus. It's a parable. It's called the parable of the lost sheep. It's so popular and so loved by so many people that people um, painted pictures about it. And they still painted on paint pictures about it. I think this is a picture. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. I think this is a picture you can get on Etsy. I don't know. You probably can get everything on Etsy. So let's just assume you can get this on Etsy. Um, but yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, uh, American Jesus and um, the black sheep. Okay, um, I, I'm assuming that's intentional that it's a black sheep because, you know, the bat black sheep was lost. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and I don't know why the screen keeps going off and on, uh, but we're just going to roll with it. Um, hopefully nobody gets a stroke because of it. But anyways, um, so yeah, there's, there's Jesus. Um, and, and we love this story. It's one of the more popular of Jesus' parables. Like there's some crazy parables, but we don't remember those. We remember this one. And I think it's for a really specific reason. And so if you know this parable, because you grew up in church and, and you, you know, start tuning out because you know how this story goes, stick with me because I, I think today, those of you watching online and those of you in the room, I think I have some new things to say on a parable that, that some of you may be pretty familiar with um, and, and something I think that's, is worth your time. Uh, but I think the reason we like this parable is because it's comforting. We like this idea of um, somebody helping us out when we get lost. Um, now, with GPS and everything that we have today, the concept of getting lost isn't something that happens very often. Um, it can, but pretty rarely. Uh, but we certainly know what it feels like to feel lost and alone and isolated, maybe like a bit of an outcast, um, someone who feels misunderstood, if you've ever felt misunderstood. Um, we know what that feeling of being isolated and alone and, and a little bit lost in life feels like. That, that moment when we're afraid um, and, and we're not willing to admit it. When we're unsure and we don't want to be honest about it. And so we just act like everything's okay. I've shared this story before, but growing up, um, specifically in middle school and even worse in high school, um, was this period in a school day. It, it was this one right here. This is the cafeteria. And I had to find a, a picture of um, tables that were uh, like this, because now a lot of schools, I noticed when I Google searched cafeteria at school, a lot of them go with circle tables which actually is a smart idea based on what we're going to talk about here in a second. But this was more like my um, high school uh, growing up. And this was one of my most unfavorite parts of the day because there was a reasonable chance that for this half hour period, I would not have anybody that I knew or got along with really well um, there to sit with. And that made it very uncomfortable and, and very painful um, because I wasn't part of the popular group. And I guess I wasn't exactly unpopular. I was somewhere kind of in the middle because like I played sports, but they weren't like the popular sports. Um, and then I did music and band at the same time. And so it's this weird combination, uh, at least when I was growing up in my school, that was just strange. Okay. I had a lot of crossover and, um, and so it was kind of difficult to make you know, more of those traditional friends. And so for 30 minutes, it was painful of like sitting alone because back then there was no phones 
Um, or I guess there were phones, but kids didn't get phones. Let's put it that way. And so you just had your tray and you had your food. And so for 30 minutes, you just kind of like slowly ate. So you had something to do and you weren't just idly sitting by hoping, watching that somebody would come out of the lunch line and like you could wave them down or, you know, like, hi, I'm over here alone. Help me out. Um, So you wouldn't have to sit alone. Kind of like the lost sheep picture idea, right? I mean, you're kind of out there alone and, and you're just hoping somebody would find you. Um, and, and come and, and, and visit and sit with you. Um, uh, as, as a, uh, um, and, and you may have felt that similar feeling at points in your life. Um, and I bet actually in this past week, you've probably had a similar feeling. It might have not lasted as long. It might not have been as painful. Maybe it was. But I mean, think back at, along the last seven days of your week. I mean, was there ever a time in which you thought to yourself, um, you know, I, I feel a little confused. I feel a little on the outside. I feel a little lost. You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this situation? Maybe it's a parenting situation. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's navigating a big decision in life. And you're like, what's the right decision to make? And that's pretty stressful. And so you kind of felt lost and a little unsure. Maybe for you, you're in a season of life of loneliness. You just kind of feel alone. You feel like uh, you don't have people around you to care for you and take care of you and and have camaraderie with and and relationship with. Maybe you're in a season where you feel a little isolated or broken or maybe just simply misunderstood that you feel like you look at things some way and nobody else sees it that same way. And so you feel like you're kind of out in the lunchroom at your own table sitting alone out there. Or maybe you've done something wrong. You've said something wrong. You've broken a relationship and that relationship is kind of hurting right now. And you're carrying some maybe guilt or shame around that. I bet there was at least one point because I know there was in my life this week and pretty much every week where I'm like, ah, I could have done that better. I should have done that better. I messed up and you feel isolated and a little bit lost and alone and you're not sure exactly. You have an idea of maybe where you should go but you don't know exactly where to go. Maybe you've seen this happen to somebody else. Maybe someone else is going through a similar situation and and your heart goes out to them. In the midst of that though, in the midst of that pain and in the midst of that loneliness, in the midst of that lostness, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice as you sit at that table alone if someone came and sat with you? Someone came and picked you up and told you where you need to go, answered the question that you're trying to answer, helped you to decide what was the next right step for you, helped come into a a place of pain and gave you peace, brought uncertainty to certainty. I mean, how would you feel if that was someone in your life this week? Someone stepped up, stepped in, and helped you out a bunch. I mean, how would that make you feel? Relief, right? I mean, it'd make you feel good, it'd make you feel cared for, it'd make you feel loved. What if somebody came into your brokenness or your hurt or that part of your life you don't want to tell people about, you just want to keep it to yourself because if people knew that part of your life, you'd be ashamed. You'd feel bad. You'd feel empty and alone. What if somebody came into that and cared for you and loved you regardless in the midst of feeling like you messed up? Someone picked you up and forgave you. Wouldn't that be pretty nice? Wouldn't that be helpful? Wouldn't that 
maybe change your week, maybe even change your life. I wanna read to you the full parable of the lost sheep. And I'm not gonna put it up on the screen because normally I put it up on the screen, but I'm just gonna read it and I want you to imagine it in your mind. And I want you to put yourself into the story. I want you to take that emotion you feel when you're alone or you're lost or you have that sense of being at the table alone, you know, and, and nobody's there. Or you're kind of on your own to figure it out. And I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the lost sheep and what it would mean for someone to come and help you out. The story comes from Luke chapter 15, starts in verse one. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus because they were two different groups. Tax collecting in those days, 2000 years ago, you were collecting taxes for the Roman empire, the occupiers. You were in a special category of like sinner. You weren't in the normal bucket of sinners. You were in a special bucket of sinners. Okay, and then there were the sinners. So the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around and they're listening to Jesus. So Jesus is among the people that other people shun. Jesus is among the lost sheeps in this moment. And then the righteous people, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious people, the goody goods came along and muttered. They didn't just speak, they muttered. Okay, mutter. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So just loud enough that everybody could hear, but like subtle enough where they were like, well, I'm not trying to offend you, (laughs) but they were. And Jesus told them a parable. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. This is a story many of you know. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country vulnerable and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together. He doesn't just bring it home to the flock. He calls all of his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. We're going to have a celebration. We're going to have a party. Because I tell you in the same way, Jesus says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Think about that. I know how I would have felt sitting in the lunchroom alone, feeling lost and isolated. If somebody would have walked in, picked me up, which would have been hard, but picked me up and carried me over and brought me to be a part of a table, not just of a couple people, but of 99 other people and welcomed me in and said, I care about you enough to come over and sit with you and take care of you and invite you in to something so you feel found, so you feel heard and cared for. You may still have doubts. You may still have a sense of pain or anguish or loneliness, but now you're a part of something. You're not alone anymore. I mean, You'd want that, right? I mean, you'd want that for your kids. You'd want that for your family. You'd want that for your loved ones. You'd want that for you when you feel alone and on the outside. It's just good, isn't it? I mean, that's just, that, that's a beautiful image. And I think that's why we like this story so much. Whether you're a Christian or not, you like that story. Somebody helping you out. But the truth is, and you know this, we turn our back on people all the time. We turn our back on lost people so easily. What do we do instead? We judge them behind their backs. Sometimes we judge them to their face. 
we tell ourselves, well, they got themselves lost. You know, it's their own responsibility. We don't want to understand. We don't want to be curious. We look at other people and we say, you know what? That person, they voted for the wrong political group, the wrong political group. And so now I'm just going to push them out. They're practically lost now because they voted for that guy or that gal. They're lost. We push people out because they believe different things. They worship different ways. We don't give them a time of day because they did this in the midst of the pandemic. They believe that when it came to other people's health and safety. And we don't get it. We stay in our comfort zone and we reject everybody else. We stay in our comfort zone and we reject everybody else. Because that's easier, isn't it? I mean, that's what we do. It's just easier to do that. It takes a lot more work, though, to find a lost sheep, doesn't it? Right? It takes a lot more work to go across the lunchroom and put your reputation on the line to go find a lost sheep. And we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to listen. We don't want to be patient. We won't want to take risks on somebody else. We want to do what's best for us. But we miss the point. We miss the opportunity here. We miss the opportunity to make a difference because it takes a lot of work to find a lost sheep. But everybody in Jesus' audience, they knew what Jesus meant when he left the 99 and went to find the lost sheep. Because think about this. I mean, think about it for a second. If you're not from this time period, you have never shepherded sheep right? Nobody in here has shepherded a flock of sheep before because we don't do that anymore. But Jesus, uh, Jesus' audience knew that when you lose one sheep, that's a really big deal because if you got to go out and find that one sheep, they could be anywhere. It's super difficult to find one lost sheep in the deserts of Israel. There's no sheep finder app, right? There's no find my iPhone or find my sheep app. You're not just going to stumble into the desert and stumble upon your sheep. No, it's going to take you time. So what does the shepherd do? He gets up. He makes sure his sheep are good. They're exposed, but they're good. But it's worth looking for hours, maybe even days, to find this one sheep. In Israel, when we were in Israel, I brought a picture, but it's not working at the moment, so that's okay. Or maybe online people, we can make it work for you. Um, but uh, it, I, I was so shocked at how vast where Palestinians, because most Jewish people don't raise sheep anymore, don't shepherd flocks, but the Palestinians do because it's the only way they can make in income. And so you drive by and we drive by flocks of sheep and shepherds. And it was really shocking because I was like, this is back in Jesus's time and we're still doing it today. Yes, we're still doing it today because when you're in poverty, that's what you got to do to make it work. And it was so crazy because I realized, I thought they were bushes. So there was like a hill line and then there was another hill line and I thought they were just bushes out there and then they started moving and I realized, oh no, that's a flock of sheep and people. But it's so crazy. And then all of a sudden, before I knew it, there was a whole shepherd and sheep coming over the bend right by us because they were gonna come sell us stuff. And so I had a, a little shepherd boy, he came over and he wrapped a towel around my head and tied it and was like, you look good, man, $5. And I was like, where'd you come from? I didn't even know you were there. It looked empty. And then all of a sudden they show up. It's so difficult to find sheep out in that territory. But it's worth it to the shepherd. 
Finding lost sheep and bringing them back, it isn't magical, it's just hard work. It's uncomfortable, it takes time, it requires us to change and spend energy that we otherwise probably wouldn't spend. It requires us to spend money that we wouldn't already spend. It requires effort and sacrifice. And it's why it's easier to not go and sit with the lonely kid at the lunch table. It's easier to just stay away. It's easier to write them off as someone who's failing, someone who's an outcast, someone who's different, someone who's a difficult person. But this shepherd goes out looking despite the obstacles. And here's the other thing that we don't appreciate the story. We don't appreciate how hard it was. You know, we just think, oh, he just went out and got the sheep and brought them back. No, it was a lot of effort. The other thing we don't appreciate is how did the shepherd get the hundred sheep in the first place? Because a hundred sheep, that's a big flock. Just be honest with you. That's a lot of sheep. When we were driving around Israel and, and we'd see, and especially in the West Bank and Palestine, when we'd see these shepherds, they'd have 30, 50 sheep tops. So to have a flock of a hundred, that's a big deal. Even by modern standards. Now, I don't know how the shepherd in the story got the hundred sheep, but I bet it's because he cared for every single one. And I bet his investment over time made a big difference because he cared and he put effort into it. He protected them. He challenged them. He made sure they were taken care of and fed. He went and found them when they were lost and he worked hard to get more sheep and to keep them healthy so the flock would grow and reproduce because that's what a good leader does. We just talked about that in our last series, Leading Like Jesus. We spent six weeks talking about leadership and if you're online, we'll post a link in there to, to how to watch that series and you can go back and watch it especially if you're in a position where you influence people daily which all of us do but what's the defining part of a good leader is if they're a servant if they care if they put others needs before their own and I bet that's ultimately how the shepherd in the story got to have such a large flock is because that's the kind of person he was it wasn't it didn't happen overnight. He didn't just inherit it. It wasn't magic. It wasn't even a miracle. It was just hard, tender love and care. It was work. And then he creates this powerful moment for that one sheep. And that powerful moment was when that one sheep was found. And you know what it feels like when you feel found. You know in here what it feels like to be found by someone else, to be seen by someone else, to be cared for by someone else and carried to something better by someone else. We all know what that feels like. It feels great. When we're no longer alone, we're no longer lost, but we're found. In high school, it only would have taken one person to change that season of my life, just one. Two have been better, probably, but it only took one. It would only take one to rejoin the 99, to be found, to be a part of a group of people that were good, because that's what he said, that the other sheep were righteous sheep, okay? And righteous means to have right relationship. In righteousness, you treat everybody with dignity and respect 
and care that they deserve as God-given creations. That'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? I don't know about you, but you'd think as we become adults, we'd get better at this, you know? We'd care more deeply. We'd live enough to care more deeply. But we don't always, do we? We struggle just like we did when we were younger with treating everybody with the dignity they deserve. What, what if, though, your high school experience would have looked different if one person would have found you? What if, what if your family would look different, your family life would look different if each other, you all looked out for each other? If this were a business, would you want to work there if it was a culture of finding the lost person? Hey, you having trouble with that project? Let me jump in and give you a hand with that. Or maybe I just point you in the right direction. I'm not going to do it for you, but I'm going to point you in the right direction. Wouldn't that make a difference? Right? If you just felt apart and cared for? What if the shepherd in this parable was your boss? Wouldn't that be pretty awesome? Right? It was your boss. It was your leader. It was your team leader. It was your community leader. It was your pastor. Maybe you're not from around here. And it's your pastor, and they care for you like that. That'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you be more inclined to go to a church that cared for the lost sheep, cared for you? Ten years ago, um, some of you know this, but others of you have said, Taylor, it would be really great if we knew a bit more about your story and your faith story, and so I totally get that. Um, Ten years ago, uh, we lived out in Seattle, Stephanie and I, um, and we'd been out there for a few months, and I realized that something was missing um, in my work life. I mean, I was working a pretty decent job by all standards, um, but I know I was missing something. So I Googled churches. Uh, At that point, I was agnostic. I hadn't gone to church of my own accord for about two and a half years, Um, specifically an agnostic theist. You can Google it later. But um, so, uh, so I, I was Googling churches because in my opinion, um, uh, a, at, at the time, uh, a, uh, a church that I'd want to go to would have their messages available online. Um, you know, this was 10 years ago, so online church was not as prevalent as it is now. And so I'd watch series um, and messages from people, and I found this one church, that I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. I'd be willing to go here. I didn't know why. I didn't know what I would expect to find, but, you know, I'll go um, because I was hoping to find a church that would be okay with the fact that I wasn't a Christian, that they might be, just might be okay with the fact that I didn't believe the same things that they did, and I'd be welcome. So I went back to church for the first time in years, and um, Stephanie, my wife, um, my now wife, was very patient uh, with me in, in figuring this out, um, and she went with me, so we went together, um, and so we pulled into the lower parking lot. I didn't know it was the lower parking lot at the time. That's not really relevant, but I pulled into the wrong parking lot, so to speak, and, um, and so I pulled in, and they had people standing there in vests waving, and I was like, okay, awkward, and and they were there, and then, you know, they kind of, it might be overdramatic a little bit, but they'd be like, you know, and you're like, please stay out of my car. Um, it was intimidating. And uh, so I just kind of watched them wave at me as we went by, and I didn't, I didn't wave uh, back because that would be uncomfortable. Um, I didn't want to wave back, right? Because, um, and, and Stephanie wasn't happy with me, and she's like, wave. And I'm like, no. Um, I don't know if that ever happens in your relationships, but... Uh, because I just figured, uh, as I reflected back, this is actually kind of therapeutic to like work through the story again, but I, what, 
thank you for being my counselors. Um, because ultimately what I realized um, was I, I figured that that wave was not very genuine. Because if that person knew that I didn't believe the same things that they did, they probably wouldn't wave at me. In fact, if I was angry at the church, that I wanted to debate that individual that was waving at me and say, you know what, your faith is kind of silly, and do you know these things about the Bible, and I'm going to undermine your faith a little bit, um, I figured if I did that with them, they wouldn't probably want to wave at me, and so I just assumed that that, that wave was slightly disingenuous. Um, but the problem was, um, the waving didn't stop there. Um, <clears throat> they had greeters on the stairway up to the facility. They had greeters at the doors of the facility. And then when I walked in, they had this giant spread of bagels, mini bagels, uh, cream cheeses, lots of flavors of cream cheeses, and veggie trays, and coffee, and tea. And they, and this was a kicker for me, they did not have a bucket or basket asking you to give money to compensate for that food. And I was like, okay, you know how to get to my heart. I appreciate this. It was all free. I didn't feel guilted into giving them money, give towards an organization and a group that I didn't even know if I totally wanted to be a part of. And so I, of course, loaded up on the strawberry cream cheese and bagels. Um, and then we went to the service in the auditorium and there was more greeters. And then there was more greeters yet. And uh, so I was feeling welcomed. Um, so the service hadn't started yet, and so music was playing, um, but it wasn't Jesus music. Uh, specifically, it was um, uh, working at the car wash. It was my kind of music, to which you may say, well, Taylor, I didn't know you were a huge fan of disco funk, to which I would say, I, at that time, I was more a fan of disco funk than I was Jesus music. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we were working at the car wash, you know, um, and so I was like, this is, this is really interesting um, that you wouldn't play, you know, your music. But what I realized was the food and the greeting and the music wasn't for the Christian people. It was for me. It wasn't meant to make the Christian people feel comfortable. They were fine, right? They're going to go to heaven, right? It's me that was in question, and the least that they could do is give me some strawberry cream cheese before I go to hell. No, um, no, that's not in my notes, by the way. Um, and, yeah, no, it was to make me feel comfortable and to make me feel welcome. And they preached and they said, you know, this, this our church community is a church that's not about shaming you. It's not about judgment. And I realized that's so refreshing because guess what? I can judge myself and shame myself far better than any of you can. I don't need your help to do that. What I need is a solution. What I need is hope. What I need is an answer. What I need is a purpose. And they were willing to go out of their way to find me. They said, this church believes in grace and that's what I needed. They said, this church believes in grace because that's what Jesus did. Jesus gave us grace when we didn't deserve it. And they said, you need it and you need it and you need it. And I needed it. And it broke my heart open. It broke my heart open because that church didn't sit there expecting me to come to them. They saw I was lost, so they came to me. They made a church 
that was accessible to me. It wasn't about them. It was about me. They met me where I was at. And in a dozen small ways through smiles and greeting and food and grace and truth, they celebrated that I was there, doubts and all, lost, broken, ashamed, and critical and a bit angry. And they celebrated that I was there, just like the shepherd and the lost sheep. And it opened my heart to God's love shown through Jesus. And it filled my heart with his spirit and it changed my life. In three weeks, three weeks, three weeks later from that day, not only did I decide to follow Jesus, but I had a clear call to become a pastor. And less than 12 months after that, not only was I a pastor on staff, I was leading the greeting team. Because <laughs> that's how God works. I was leading the greeting team, which included our awesome parking lot team, including the man that waved at me, and I didn't wave back on my way in. That's how God works. I'd explain it this way. This church decided to create a church for imperfect people like me, lost people like me, and invited me in to be a part of something good, a part of something where people were humble enough to say, we don't have it all together and we need some help. And we're willing to help where we can help and we hope you'll help us where you can help us. And we're gonna work together to make our world a better place. A church for imperfect people to come and explore faith and find community. That's our church's slogan today because that's what we hope to be. We need to turn away from our wandering ways sometimes, our imperfect ways and find truth to find that we are all created for a purpose. We're created because we're loved and we're cared about to find answers and direction for the future. We want to be found. We want to be found. We want to be a part of a community and belong. Not a shallow online community, but a deep, real relational community. We want to have peace in our hearts. And I get it. If you're not there yet, this is the first time back in church in a long time, I get it. This takes time. But you got to keep after figuring it out. It took me a long time to figure it out. It took me years to figure it out. But I didn't stop trying to figure it out. The church is supposed to be a critical part of this equation. The church is supposed to be Christ on earth. The church is supposed to be the shepherd on earth, helping people to find a home, sitting with people when they're alone, inviting people when they're lost, serving people when they need help. It's supposed to be Christ's body on earth. And this church, the great thing about this church, when I started attending there at first, was that they preached and acted as a good shepherd. They didn't just preach it, they showed it. And Stephanie and I just believe so passionately about God's love for all of us, that he is the good shepherd, that we wanted to help be a part of that process. That our father in heaven has given us this incredible gift of his love of our existence. And we just wanna share that and give that gift to other people. It's like a little child. I say this all the time. It's a little child at Christmas that gets the gift they've always wanted. They didn't know they wanted it, but it's the gift they've always wanted. And they're like, look, mom, look, dad. It's so awesome. That's our hearts as well. And that's why we started Infused Church. Because our lives has changed and we just want to share that with others. 
because maybe that can help you as it helped us. And offer that gift if you want to receive it, because you don't have to take the gift. You can walk away from the gift. It's always your choice. God wants you to have that choice because then it's real. So if you're ever part of a church and they tell you that you don't have a choice in the matter, that is so not true. As a good parent, sure, do I want my kids to have a choice in loving me? No, I want them to always love me, no matter what. But it's more powerful when they choose to love me. Because I love them. And I will patiently wait as a good shepherd will until you come home. And welcome them in. Especially when they're lost. Because sometimes you come because you got it all together. But a lot of times we don't. And it's worth finding. And to us, it's worth starting a church over. And it's worth growing a church over. Because God so loved you. He came not to condemn you, but to save you, to serve you, to love you you. To me, that's a gift. So this year, what I want to invite all of you online, in the room, watching, listening to this later in the week, I want you to join us in the one to 100 challenge. That's why this this message today is one to 100. For the next one year, we want to welcome 100 new people to Infuse Church. And we want you to be a part of welcoming the 100 of the church. Because we've gotten to 100, met it, and exceeded it. But now it's for all of us to do. Oh, so Taylor, you just, you just want to grow a bigger church, right? That's all you want to do. You just want to get bigger. No. It's just that I know, as you know, that there are people who are sitting at the table alone. They may act like they got it all together on the outside and the, you know, all that stuff, but they're looking for someone to invite them. They're looking for someone to welcome them and connect them authentically to a community where people are growing, where people are humble and hungry to get better. Now this takes time. It's not easy. You just can't go out and say, hey, come to church and it just works out. It takes time, just as it takes time for the shepherd to find the sheep. But every church starts with one and grows from there. Every church, this church started with one and then it became two and then it became three and then it was eight and it was eight for a little while and then it became more than eight, which was nice, okay? And now it's more than eight. But together, what if for the next year, for the next 12 months, one of you, each one of you went out? It only takes one, right? One person finding one person, welcoming them and helping them to find a home, answers purpose and direction that they already want quickly becomes a hundred and a hundred matters to God. And when it changes your life, you can't help but share it with other people. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. If you're not a Christian, sit with the person that's alone, help them regardless. Cause you know, you know, it's the right thing. Now I'd ask you how you know it's the right thing, but that's going to get into a whole God thing. And that's okay. We can have that conversation. Let's buy coffee. But for the Christians in the room, for the Jesus followers in the room, who's the one? that you're gonna reach? Who's the two? Who's the three? How are we gonna be able to get over the next year to that next 100? How are you gonna be able to get to that next 100? Because just as you've been lost, they are too, and we can help. It's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna be work, but it's worth it. It's worth it.
Maybe it starts with getting to know your neighbor's names. Like, do you know all your neighbor's names? Most people don't anymore. They don't know their neighbors. It's awkward to walk up. It used to be, you know, you'd go and bring a gift to your new neighbors and you'd invite, welcome them, you know, all that stuff. Do you know all the neighbors that live around you? Maybe start there. Do you get coffee with your coworkers? Do you know your coworkers' stories or you just work with them? What it would look like to buy your coworkers? Just be curious. Be compassionate. Be caring. Serve them. Doesn't work out. Doesn't work out. That's okay. But I bet there's some people out here that are just hoping that you'd invite them, hoping that you'd care for them and they need it. Maybe invite them and say, hey, do you need help? I'll pick you up. Maybe buy them brunch after service. Follow through, not just with an invite of words, but with action. And we'll help you. We'll help you through upcoming opportunities like the cards that were on your seat. Hey, here's some things that are happening in Fuse. Love for you to come with me. You know, you just try it out. If it's not a good fit for you, don't stick around. We only want it to work if it works for you. It's your choice. It's always your choice. Block parties. We're going to do block parties through our small groups. Maybe do a block party. We'll help you. We'll give you a bouncy house. We'll give you all the stuff you need to get to know your neighbors and to help Tiffin and the surrounding communities to become a closer, knit, safer, better place to raise your kids' neighborhood. We're going to do drive-in movies. Help serve at the drive-in movies. Invite your friends and sit with your friends at drive-in movies. You know? Sign up. Be a part. Invite because there are lost people And over the next year, let's find them. Let's find them because we care. Because you care and you know what it's like to be lost. And it can change people's lives. If you would, bow your heads, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that um, you would just be with us. You would help us ultimately to know maybe the truth that we've been wrestling with. And that truth is about who you are and what you mean to us. Help us to wrestle with whether or not you're the kind of God that is a good shepherd that will leave the 99 to find us, me, the one or not. Help us, if we're wrestling, to wrestle more, to not give up, to seek out truth and to not be afraid to find it be willing to be open to your love instead of putting up the walls around our hearts to resist it. To see you as a father who cares. Who didn't come to condemn, but to save and to serve. And for those of us who already follow your son, who consider ourselves Christian, Lord, give us the names. Lay on our hearts the names of the people who we already know probably need our compassion, who need our love, who could maybe use an invite to a church of imperfect people to explore faith and find community. Not because we just wanna grow big or serve ourselves, but because we have this gift, you, we wanna share it with others. Help us to be that, to do that, to be the shepherd here on earth for you, for others, for the year to come. Because you loved us first and we wanna share that with others. And it's uncomfortable and it's a lot of work as it was and is for you, Lord. But for us to persevere and to hope and to strive for what is right and what is good. 
In your name I pray, amen.